So what we mustn't do uh, is we must not talk about films or TV today, Ashley Baxter. Yeah, because you kind of exhausted that topic. Oh, no, and people are going to start complaining. He's like, oh, he's going on about films again. So what's it going to be next? Soylent Green, again. Huh? We talked about Soylent Green in another podcast, and you didn't know what Soylent oh, Green was. Oh, and I was. still don't know what it is. <laughs> I did, actually. I promised that I would gift you the film on iTunes. Oh, wait, I remember this conversation because I was concerned that it was in black and white. Yes, that's right, from the 1960s. But no, it wasn't, actually. You need to let me know what your Apple iTunes ID is, and then I shall gift you that film. Okay, let's do that. But no, we've got no time for films today. Nope. We've got no time for fannying around. Nope. That was a Scottish word. I was going to say, can we say fannying? Yeah. In Scotland, you can. We're not going to offend anyone. Nah. Hopefully I didn't just steal your... Scottish slang word of the week. No, um, but I haven't ever done Fanny before, have I? No, you haven't done Fanny. We did Don't do Fanny ball that. bag. Don't take that sentence out of context. <laughs> uh, people get offended by the weirdest things. Oh, I went to London yesterday and I came back and I've got a whole new library of books. What did you get other than a fish finger sandwich? Oh, the fish finger sandwich was lovely. Well, what books did you get? No, I bought on Amazon. I did a bit of a shop and I wanted to buy books about advertising. So I've got here, where are we? I've got a couple of books by a guy called John Hegarty, who he's creative partner of Bartle, Bogarty and Hegarty, which is one of the world's biggest advertising agencies. Oh, is this where your tweets, the pictures, the twit pics mm. were coming from? That's quite interesting. Not this particular book, but... Um, so I've got a couple of books by him, um, Hegarty on creativity, which is there are no rules, which is basically about coming up with ideas. And then he wrote a book a few years ago, Hegarty on advertising, turning intelligence into magic. And it's basically about, uh, clients and briefs and words and the power of words and the power of images and things like that. So I'm just going to love to dig into this stuff. Are you a big reader? I haven't been actually over the last few years and I'm going to now set aside a certain amount of time a week to actually sit down and just in a quiet corner and read. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Good idea. And then I've got another book here, which is, uh, Ogilvy on advertising. This is, uh, David Ogilvy from obviously the, the big, um, advertising guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this is supposed to be a classic, this book. I've never read it, uh, but it's called I hate rules, which is me all over really. Ooh, I like the sound of that. And then I got talking about the talking about the the photos that I was tweeting. See, I just did it then. You know when you when you listen to yourself, yeah. When you're like editing the podcast or something, and then you hear your little vocal idiosyncrasies. I did it just then. I started a sentence, and then I got halfway through, and then I started another sentence. I didn't even notice. Yeah, no, I did. Mm. Anyway, I got this, these brilliant books. I didn't realize how big they were going to be. They're from Tashin, which is a beautiful kind of, uh, art publisher. And it's a big, massive, these things, big, um, hardbacks, like big kind of anthologies, coffee table books, basically. Um, they're bigger than A4, but they're not A3. So whatever size that is, no idea. Don't know. And, Mid-century ads, they're called, and one is from the 50s and one is from the 60s. 
and they're basically full-page reproductions of ads from the 1950s and 60s, which was the you know, golden age of advertising. But what, where does the sudden interest in learning more about advertising come from? I've always had an interest in advertising because, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things that I did in my dim and distant past. You know, I worked for, I worked for cheesy <laughs> below the line ad agencies. Yeah. So what I did, that was, that was where I worked before I came to the web. Right. I just can't keep up with you. I don't change that often. Uh, you've done everything in your past. I've never been a bus driver. Well. I bet you will be in the future. And I've never been a removal man. Yeah, that's too too much hard work. You know, it must be hard work, actually. And if you break things, then everybody hates you. But why are they always fat? I think that it's the bacon sandwiches. Ah, oh, yeah. There's a hell of a lot of sitting around when you're a removal man. Oh, I suppose there is a lot of driving. So this book, I've, I've got the, the 60s one in my hand and it's big it's a massive book but they've got some stuff in here and i tell you what it's not just the sort of the advertising style that's changed um it's just everything attitudes to everything um there's some hysterically kind of shameful sexism yeah i noticed <laughs> there's one here i'm looking at an ad for my sin which is a a perfume by lanvin and the tag is uh, there's, there's a picture at the top. I'll, I'll tweet a picture of it. But there's two people from the back, and they've both got identical hair. And then the tag is, once upon a time, it was easy to tell the girls from the boys. What? And then the copy says, today it's not so easy. So today, more than ever, a feminine fragrance is almost what? essential. Oh, man. You could just not get away with that now. Not a chance. And... I should have put post-it notes in this book. Oh yeah, this is this is my favourite. This is the one that I tweeted a picture of yesterday. This is an ad for Sears, which is a department store in the US, and they make their own brand of products. Um, and the, this is an advert for an iron, a steam iron. Oh, did I see? Did you tweet this one? I did tweet this one. Yeah, and the tag is because you're a woman, you need more iron. <laughs> I don't even own an iron. You, I thought you pumped iron. I do pump iron, but I don't iron my clothes. I'm too busy pumping iron to iron my clothes. You need a Sears, the steam spray iron. That's the answer to a maiden's prayer. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> In fact, it's the answer to hundreds of maidens' prayers. I'm trying to find this on your Twitter. For years, women suspected they were suffering from acute iron deficiency, but nobody seemed to care. The Sears decided to keep the march of progress straight into the American kitchen, and the counter-revolution was born. Clever use of the word counter there. One of the first steps was to ask several hundred women to help us design the perfect iron, because obviously men don't iron. Mm-hmm. A Teflon-coated sole plate with a non-stick finish that glides smoothly over every fabric. The Iron Irons, the Lady Guides, which is how it should be. Wow. What's with the um, all of the stars? Uh, I don't know what they are. Oh, they're everywhere. I don't know what they refer to. It's amazing just how attitudes to everything have changed. So that was in the 60s? This was, yeah, this would be 1960s, yeah. It's changed a lot in not that much time, if you think about it. I think so.
And just, I mean, I suppose, you know, people would call this kind of, I don't know what, everyday sexism now. But back then, it was just, you know, I'm looking at an ad here for Delta Airlines. And uh, there's a picture of a female flight attendant walking down the, the, the plane aisle with a tray. And the tag is, no floor show, just a working girl, working. <laughs> I have to see this book. One of the things that I want to do is I want to talk about ideas more and the creative I process more than I have done in the past. That, this is going to be, you know, what I talk about over the next year or two. I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about UX. I don't want to talk about CSS. I want to get back to what got me interested in creativity and design in the first place. And I am going to, yeah, I do, I do want to, I do want to use some of this stuff. Is this for potential future talks and stuff? Mm, yeah. Great. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, there's some amazing stuff in here. Absolutely. There was one more. Which was the other one that I found? You'll have to, um, I want to see a few more pictures on Twitter. Mm. Yeah, this thing's too big to put in my scanner, so I'll just have to photograph. Yeah. There's a, an, a poster here for a 1969 film called Movie Star. The tag at the top of this poster is Damsel in Undress. What? Is it a, is it, is it, is it a porno? No, no, it was I don't know, some cheap. Horror sci-fi thing, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, dear. Ooh, wow, just, sounds was, like a heavy book. I, I know, they are, they're really heavy. I could pump iron with these, to be honest. You could, you need to. Massive. I'm going to have to find out whether or not the shelves that I put together are strong enough to, to hold them. I know. So, yeah, so watch this space on my advertising read. Yeah, I'm excited. It sounds mm-hmm. really interesting. No, really interesting. And a bit of follow-up from last week, because I was talking about... Uh, advertising and some ideas for the new stuff and nonsense header with Josh last week, talking about using uh, ad characters and things like that. Um, and I actually had a meeting with a brand marketing agency yesterday in London just to, you know, it's a collaboration thing. And we were talking about this and they said, well, you know, it's quite possible that no one owns those things anymore. That, you know, the copyright has basically expired on some of those old ad characters. I mean, you know, if they haven't been used for such a long time. Um, and particularly something like the PG Tips chimps that I was talking about. Well, they're probably fair game because you could make your own version and it could be um, a nod to, you know, an echo of what PG did. But you'd be making it, making it your own and you'd do your own campaign and your own um, stories based on it. And I really like that idea. Wait, don't PG tips still use the chimps? Or no. Or chimp? What's the T that uses a fake the, chimp? Ah, now that, that was monkey. That was like the knitted woolen yeah. thing. Is that uh, PG, with, PG tips? Yes, that is PG tips. And they used, I think it was, is it Johnny Vegas? Yeah, I don't know who he is though. He's just a comedian. But yes, that's, that's monkey. All oh, right. But prior to that, prior to 2000, they started making ads with chimps. I remember. They in, were great. Yeah, no, in, well, the, 1956 was the first one. Don't remember that. No, of course not. And they carried them through all the way until, uh, the 1970s when animal rights activists started to complain that it was, uh, you know, unfair on the chimps. 
and you know harmful, actually harmful to the chimpanzees, which it was. Uh, they got the chimps from Twycross Zoo in Leicester, where you know we went there not too long ago. But surely they were very ethical with their treating of them. Yeah, they didn't mistreat them, but the fact that they were um, they were young, they were baby chimps, and you know the fact that they had so much human contact and they were dressed up and they were doing things that normal chimpanzees would not do. Yeah, it meant that in later life they had to basically relearn how to be chimpanzees and to interact with other chimpanzees. And the ones that they used for the ads, Louis in particular, had quite a lot of issues, quite a lot of kind of personality issues um, and didn't relate to other chimpanzees very well, but related to humans. And, you know, it wasn't very fair on them. How do you know all of this? Because I read. I read too, but not about PG tips, chimps, <laughs> personality <you're> <laughs> disorders. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I read that on uh, Wikipedia, I think it was. And I, no, I read there was an article on the BBC that I found which was uh, talking about the lady from Twycross Zoo who used to basically handle the chimps for the for PG Tips ads. Poor Louie. He played Ada, which was a, a woman in a wig, <laughs> and they get, they gave them wigs and oh, I'll put some pictures in the show notes. Aww. But it was, but they made those ads all the way through to the 1970s and then um, stopped them because of pressure from animal rights activists. Well, how come I remember them? No, yeah, but then. After 18 months, they brought them back again because they realized that actually chimpanzees sold tea. And they'd gone from being the number four tea company to the number one tea company in the space of a couple of years, purely based on the advertising. The power of chimps? No, absolutely. Really. I mean, that was a very, very successful campaign. And obviously, it they needed the chimps. I wonder so, if that's where male chimp were, got their inspiration from. I doubt that. I think in, lots of people have used chimpanzees. Yeah, they are great. Ooh. And then they carried on with those ads. Some of the later ones were, were not so funny. But they carried on with them until 2002, which is why you can remember them. Uh-huh. And they used to have different... Actors and comedians and stuff doing the voices. Kenneth Williams did the voice uh, for quite a few of them. Uh, Peter Sellers did the voice for some of them. It's amazing. I don't know who these people are. Okay, well, there are, uh, Peter Sellers was the Pink Panther in the original Pink oh, Panther right. films. And Kenneth Williams was in the Carry On movies. And I bet you've never even seen a Carry On film. I've never seen them, but I know what they are. Anyway, we mustn't talk about films. No, let's move on quick. So, yes, that's where my fascination comes from. Understandable. You, you've started, you've started a podcast with some other fella. Yeah, are you jealous, Andy? Oh, I'm always jealous. Yeah, Paddy, Paddy's great. It's a good, um, mishmash of accents, isn't it? Irish <laughs> and Scottish. His accent is not that strong, though. No, because he lives in Belgium. Of all places. Yeah. So um, you've called it the Working Out podcast, which is not actually about working out. Yeah, um, Paddy wrote about this. I don't know if you if you saw it, but he wrote about his kind of take behind the artwork because obviously he designed it and the reasoning behind the name and, and stuff. Um, because a lot of people do tend to think it's about exercise, but it isn't. It's about kind of working out how to make 
uh, living from doing what you love and it's all about the journey and that's where the name came from. But you should um, maybe put a link to, to his um, article in the show notes. I'm telling you what to do now. Mm, no, definitely. It was a cruel joke, though. Clever, though. Do you think so? Do you think it was cruel? <laughs> no, because people are going to come for the fitness and leave with the inspiration. I don't know. I think that's a tag for you right there. I've just written you a tag. Oh, yeah. That's yeah? the advertising guy in you. You can have that one for free. The next 24 are going to cost you. Okay. But you would think that having two people in the web industry uh, doing a podcast that you would kind of assume it's not about fitness. I don't know. Well, you and Laura could talk about. Maybe you will. Maybe you and Laura will talk about fitness when I think you're we will. hosting this show together. I think we will. I think she's better than me, though, at fitness. How many episodes have you released now? Because I don't listen. Um, I think. <laughs> Why don't you listen? <laughs> I'd have listened to. I listened to the first one. Yeah, we well, should listen to more. I think I've been that- busy. We've ju- that's understandable. There are so many podcasts; it's difficult to to keep up with them all. I've um, actually unsubscribed from a lot. I found that if I had more than three or four unlistened to in my uh, Instacast, yeah, I'm just thinking, no, I'm not going. If, if I haven't listened to you, yeah, you know, for, for example, Amplified, which I used to really like on Five by Five, the kind of yeah Mac news show. Um, I used to listen to that every week and, you know, it kind of backed up. There was like five that I hadn't listened to. I thought it's a, if you haven't listened to it, then you've, then, you know, you're not going to. So just unsubscribe. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair enough. But we're on number four now. So I think we put them out every Wednesday. So it'll be number five on Wednesday. It's, it's hard work, this podcast stuff, isn't it? How are you finding the weekly schedule? It's been okay, even though I've been traveling quite a lot and i'm traveling quite a lot over the next few weeks as well um because it's wedding season now most of my weddings are in england this year um but we fit it in okay especially because it's just in ha- a half an hour episode so it's not doesn't eat into your day all that much and to be honest i don't even touch the editing i leave all of that stuff up to paddy so it's it's okay and i consider this to be a part of my work now because it's sponsored by insurance by Jack and it is kind of driving traffic towards there so I do consider it to be part of my weekly work now he handles the audio production the, he does the editing himself yeah he does the editing um we both kind of we both have this document where we just dump all of our ideas for future episodes and he'll pick one one week I'll pick one next week and then I I did the kind of he did the design obviously because that's what he does and then I did the kind of building the, the front end of it. I was curious about that, actually, because are you using Simplecast to serve the audio? Yeah. Yeah, This because Unfinished doesn't, and I'm going to switch Unfinished Business to using them well, what this week use? or next. Something called Buzzsprout, which was around a couple of years ago, and I got to know about them because it's what, uh, Happy Monday used at the time. Right, but now they use Simplecast. And then now they use Simplecast, and Simplecast is much better. Uh, I like the player better, the look of the player better. Uh, they give a lot more detailed stats, which my sponsors are starting to ask for. Yeah. And, you know, we, we're getting inquiries from, you know, from, from some big sponsors, and I want to, you know, I want to give them as much information as I can. Of course. So I'm going to switch it over to 
so using simple casts. And then I was going to do it this week, but time ran away with me. And it, and it, and it's, it's, um, very simple. Mm. So, I'd, you know, I'm a bit daunted by the actual changing of the service from one to the next, but we're going to change the website at the same time. Sue's been working on a new design for the site. Oh, uh, I want a sneak peek. Um, I haven't even seen it yet. How can you, being a designer, give, I know that, that you work with Sue, but how can you hand that control over to somebody else and not even kind of keep an eye on it as it happens? Well, I will keep an eye on it because it's early days, but I would like her to go away and just come up with something that she thinks is amazing. And, you know, don't show me until it's, you know, until it's halfway there. Yeah. I don't want to be kind of looking over her shoulder. That'd be the worst thing. Would be. Because then you start getting into kind of nitty gritty nitpicking before the idea is kind of fully formed. So... Um, I like that. I like it when she comes up with stuff because it's, you know, if I ha- would never have thought about it, then that's something new and different. And that's why I enjoy working with her. Yeah, I guess so. And obviously you've hired her for the reason. Mm. Cause she's good. Yeah, no, she is good. So you're not using a CMS for the website. There's no perch. No, I just used, um, Jekyll and GitHub pages. That's my new jam. What else did I do? Insurance by Jack is on Get, GitHub and Jekyll page, Jekyll and GitHub pages as well. So I was really reluctant to, I'm one of those people because I'm not, a, because I'm not a developer. I'm quite reluctant to learn new things. I'm, mm. I'm, I like to just kind of stay in my comfort zone. Um, but can't even remember why. Oh, I know why. I didn't want to use something like WordPress because I think that's so bloated. And the documentation out there for Jekyll is so, so good and straightforward that it was actually pretty simple to get things up and running. Are you considering using it? Well, not for the website because we use Perch and, you know, Perch is something that you could have used, but we're Hopefully, this is one of the reasons why I was down in London yesterday. We are hopefully over the next few weeks going to be starting a a, a, a project with a, a wonderful charity and the deliverable is HTML and CSS and it's over sort of several templates. And you know, we use Hammer a lot of the time, but sometimes that's not compatible with what the client wants because, you know, they're not Mac users or, you know, they don't have Hammer or whatever. But we do need to do some form of templating. And I'm curious about whether something like Jekyll is going to, you know, do the job. But, you know, I'm a kind of command line phobe. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that requires a, installing a Ruby gem and I'm out of here. Oh, it's so, so straightforward though. I mean, I, I can't see anybody tripping up with it. Didn't, well, didn't Anna write a great, article on 24 ways about it no she did i'm not terribly good at learning from books or articles yeah no (laughs) i hear you he says having written two so what we've decided to do it's funny that you should mention anna but we are hiring anna for a week at some point over the summer and she's going to be coming and showing us how to do stuff she's going to be helping us set up um, all the things that we don't normally do from a development point of view that we could do a lot better. Oh, that's you know, quite interesting. S- setting up local servers and working with MAMP and understanding 
Jekyll and GitHub pages and even Git, you know, for version control. Yeah. All that stuff that she's really good at that I'm flipping hopeless at. And I would, I just like the idea of somebody coming and showing us how to do it and helping us set it up at the same time. So do you think that after a week you'll have got the gist of it all? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I see what you did there. There's a bit of a pun. I didn't even mean to. It was good though. Uh-huh. See, you should be an advertiser. I should be. Speaking of advertising, let me do a sponsor. Okay. I want to tell you about a fantastic product from Venamco. Those are the people that brought us Ghost Lab. Uh, but this time it's not a software product. No, it's, it's hardware. And it's the responsive development stand that they call Device Lab. So I'm sure you know that one of the problems with design and device testing on responsive designs is that you've got all these devices, you've got lots of smartphones and tablets scattered across your desk, and you've got to pick them up and put them down to check how your design's looking across all the different screens. And, God, they need to stay powered up as well, so you've got cables everywhere. You know, I'm such a neat freak. I really hate having all the spaghetti lying around. Then if you work in a team and you've got to share your devices with other people or you've got to take your test rig to a client site, this is what I've done in the past for a demonstration, things get really messy. And that's where the device lab comes in. It's a stand and it's small enough to sit on your desk and it can hold an average of four to seven devices, you know, phones and tablets, depending on what size they are. And you attach the devices with Velcro and they stay securely in place on the stand. And that's important because what you can do, this is clever, You can use the stand in either portrait or landscape orientation, just like a phone or a tablet. So you test your devices in one orientation, and then you just swing the whole stand around, and you test it in another. And the cable management's built in, so it just takes care of the spaghetti. And it looks great on your desk. I've got one right next to my computer, so you don't have to keep it tucked away. I've got my iPad mini on mine and a couple of test phones attached to it, and it's fabulous. And the price is 149 US dollars plus shipping to wherever you are. Or for $20 more, you can buy one that includes a license for Ghost Lab. That's a nice touch because Ghost Lab normally costs $49 on its own. Plus, they sell an agency package and that gives you three of these device lab stands, five Ghost Lab licenses, and you get free express shipping. And that's $500, but it's well worth it. So go to unfinished dot bz slash device lab and get yourself a device lab what are you waiting for i I never know whether to be quiet during the sponsor no you can interrupt oh well i want to see a picture of this device lab well just google device lab okay or venamco device lab if we were on im i'd send you a link but we're not oh i see it it's a cool thing it's nice. It's it's very sweet. Yeah. I don't need it, though. No, because you've only got one phone. Yeah, and I don't do testing. Have you got an iPad? Um, yeah. What, full size or mini? Full size. Mmm. What do you have? I've got two iPad minis. I've got the Retina and the non-Retina. Well, why did you go for the mini over the full size? I had the full size one at the beginning. I had a 64 gig iPad one, the very first one, uh-huh. which we still have. And it's in the kitchen. It's kind of a, it's a recipes and cowboy movies device now. Cowboy movies. Oh, no, no, because Sue loves cowboy films. We're not allowed to talk about films. No. Okay. 
So we've got that, and then I've got the uh, the minis because you know there's no difference in resolution now between the mini and the full size iPad Air. Uh, it's just literally the size, and the the mini is so convenient. I just I like the small size of it. I like the bigger one. Well, there you go. That's why we're different. Uh huh. Another way in which we're different. Yep. That and the muscles. Yeah, I'm mus- more muscular. So getting into some contentious stuff. But again, it's still talking about advertising or marketing, depending on what you want to call it. John Alsop tweeted a link to an article this week. It was on Business Week in Australia. I sent you a link to this. Um, the article was called, We Got a Look Inside the 45-Day Planning Process That Goes Into Creating a Single Corporate Tweet. Wow. I'll put a link in the show notes. I think everybody's seen it by now, though. Well, possibly. But... I think that a lot of people got the wrong impression or maybe took the wrong impression away from it. Including um, me. Possibly. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people commented. I mean, a lot of people said that it was ridiculous to plan a tweet for two months. Um, Ian McDonald, uh, he annoyed me actually because he said on Twitter, it's just another arbitrary privileged job in a world, in the first world that's unnecessary. And he, oh, he said some other things about marketing people that I'm not going to repeat on a family show. I think that was horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it summed up the kind of general reaction that I thought to this article. I think John himself was, John Orsop himself was, uh, was a little kind of, um, well, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. No, well, neither do I. <laughs> um, and it, it got me thinking actually, about brands using advertising, you know, on Twitter, you know, using things like Twitter in particular and about authenticity. Cause I think this is what people were talking about. It's like, how could you, how could you spend 45 days planning a tweet? Cause then it's not authentic. You know, Twitter's supposed to be, I think of something and it's gone. You know, I'm just going to put it out there. No, I, well, I disagree with that. I think it's perfectly okay to have this very planned social media strategy but what confused me and correct me if i'm wrong is that the company the cheese company what are they called president cheese or did i make that up no president camembert right they actually had a very small president cheese they had they have a very small following right yes like a hundred exactly so presumably they're a very small business like myself and in that case, when you're a very small business and you're doing things on quite a small scale, I don't think it should take two months to put to plan and put out one tweet. But I can understand why bigger corporations do it, who have a bigger fan base to reach and and a, a bigger message to convey. Does that make sense? No, no, it does make sense. And I actually thought that it was quite a clever plan in a way i mean you could think of it as being cynical or being think of it as being unauthentic i don't you know, know. To, did it make you want to buy cheese it no it didn't make me want to buy cheese but then i'm not in the market to buy cheese right now everybody come on everybody's always in the market to buy cheese oh i do love cheese i love cheese we actually bought some rock for a couple of weeks ago and we haven't bought any cheese for about two months since i've been trying to lose weight and, oh, this was good. This was like heaven in my mouth. Yeah, that's what it is. There you go. That's a tweet that you can craft right now. That's a, for that's President a tag. Cheese. That's a, yep. that's a tag right there. It's heaven in my mouth, President Camembert. 
<laughs> so I just thought it, it's interesting because these things are planned and I thought that this was actually part of quite a clever strategy. I quite like the art of cheese campaign. Um, you're right. It was only a hundred Twitter followers. It says here in 220 Facebook fans. Um, but I appreciated the strategy. You know, I appreciated the idea that went behind it. Um, but I can see why some people thought that this was, um, manipulative, you know, kind of cynical, um, kind of unauthentic. And it got me thinking about us, you know, our businesses, which are kind of, you know, we, yeah. although we've got more Twitter followers than President Cheese. Although their campaign did work. I mean, they've more than doubled their followers now. Mm. So it got me thinking about what we do. And, you know, for, for example, with Insurance by Jack, what is the difference between Jack's voice in that context on Twitter and Ashley's voice at, you know, I am Ashley. What's, what's the difference and how you might be using it differently? Hmm. That's a good question. And I just think for obviously for President Cheese, their tweets are designed to sell cheese. So for Jack, the tweets there aren't, aren't designed to sell insurance, but they're designed to make, because I'm targeting quite a specific audience, my intention is to help them make, help them with what they do. No, let me get that, the sentence right. Help them do what they do, but better. So that could be, you know, finding links to articles on marketing or how I did the post um that you were a part of last week about how you got started with public speaking because I think that can help with business and I know that it's helped a lot of designers and developers land clients and stuff. But it's going to take me, it's going to take me years to actually understand how Twitter can help my business and to finally kind of nail that the right tone of voice and stuff. I would say that there's not necessarily a difference between I am Ashley and Jack, but obviously I don't put any personal stuff on Jack because it's a business account, but really just try to put stuff out there that helps this audience that I'm targeting do what they do better. But I'm going to be changing things as well. And a big part of what I'm going to be doing soon is, is really trying to educate people as to why they need insurance but that's going to be tough because how on earth do i make that interesting cheese is more interesting than that i don't know i don't know i think that are you thinking about doing some i don't know almost twitter q and i'm not sure i mean the thing is that i've now i've spent now i'm spending so much time because obviously i've moved from the property insurance market into business insurance this is a whole new market for me but now that i've been spending so much time researching i am coming across so many horror stories on the web of people who have, you know, things have happened to them. They didn't have insurance. And it would be great to be able to share these stories without actually frightening people. It's mm. difficult. It's a difficult balance. I'm not quite sure how to, to figure it out. And it's going to take me a long time before I figure it out. I don't think that people like dealing with insurance in general. I mean, I get a phone call every year from the company that I insure Henry Honda with mm-hmm. and they go, eh, well, we've, we've figured out the best premium for you this, this year and it's 20 pound more than it was last year, unfortunately. But, you know, whatever they, they sing me the song and I'm busy. I don't want to be dealing with that. So I just go, yeah, okay. 
And I think a couple of years ago, I actually did do a bit of a, you know, a ring around and try and find a, a better deal. But to be honest, the time I spent doing that probably cost me more than 25 quid. Well, I know. And that's the good thing from my perspective, because with insurance, when you typically get a customer and you land that customer, they're, you're, they're probably going to stay with you for years. It's a great, and once you start building that up and you've been going for a couple of years, you've got a good comfy renewal base. And that's one of the things that I obviously like as an insurance person, but it is just such a difficult subject to, yeah. um, to, to, I mean, social media, Twitter is all about engagement and it's a difficult subject to get people to engage with. I did actually write a post a day ago about, Gave real life examples of if you work in the web industry, this could happen and this is why business insurance is good. But it got no feedback. Well, practical, practical lesson for people is, you know, when I got robbed in Geneva. Yeah. And I got my phone stolen and I got my Mac damaged and I lost cash and stuff like that. I wasn't insured. Oh. The business insurance didn't cover me because I was out of the country for more time than I had put on my original, um, you know, application. Yep. And when they added up all the time that I'd spent out of the country and it had been more than 30 days in a certain period of time, I wasn't covered on that. Yeah, they will, they will look for ways that oh, you've contradicted yeah. yourself, but that's why with insurance, it's not worth, I know you weren't being dishonest, um, you might have just calculated it wrong, but that's why with insurance, it's just not worth being dishonest to try and get a cheaper, pre a cheaper premium. No. And what happened in the end was that we found that it was covered on my personal house insurance. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, the business had paid for the phone. Yep. Oh. So the invoice that we got from Apple had my name on it. Stuff and Nonsense Limited, and then our address. And we submitted that with the claim and were just crossing our fingers that they wouldn't really notice that it said Stuff and Nonsense Limited on the on the bill. Mm -hmm. And we did a happy dance when we got the money. Wow, that's quite surprising, actually. Mm. But um, who are you with for your business insurance? Uh, can't tell you because Sue takes care of it all. Oh, but then when your renewal comes, you're going to come to me for a quote, right? How, how could I not? Exactly. How could I not? So I like the idea of you sort of, I don't know, becoming almost like a, a an insurance business resource, you know, good advice through yeah. Twitter. That seems like a, a good thing to do. I would like to talk to you about this some more because it's been on my mind a lot lately. And one of the things was when I went to industry conference and watched Greg Hoy, or rather listened to Greg Hoy speak, one of the things he said in his talk, hey, Andy, can you bleep this out because I don't want to swear? <laughs> can you bleep it out? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can, said, you can even choose your noise. Oh, cool. Is there like a farm animal noise? Greg Hoy said... Take one thing, find one thing that nobody else is doing and own it. Okay? And I really like that idea of finding something and owning it, but it's difficult to know what that thing should be. And yes, my thing should be advice, practical advice about the kind of needs, like educating people, why, why do they need this? But it's just difficult to make that engaging. No, I understand. I do understand. You want to be the person, or Jack wants to be the voice that people go to for reliable advice on business insurance, particularly in our area. Because, you know, 
the web market is definitely, I think, the one that you should be going at first because it's, you know, it's where you're known and they might appreciate the the personality of the brand. Oh, more I get than- so, yeah, I've got, I've had so many people email Jack and say, I've, I'm, I've come to you for a quote because I really appreciate, I really like the tone of voice and it just looks like it's no bullshit. And, and I love that that's coming across and that I'm getting people emailing me in the first place and saying, this is why we're coming to you. No, I think that that's where you want to be. And we, we had a problem with, uh, hover.com this week. You know, hover's been sponsoring the show. Yeah. The domain Did, people. Yes. And they're really good. And I had a, a tweet from somebody. I forget. I have to look it up, but it was this week and they'd gone on to hover.com. They were buying some domain names. They'd put the offer code in the unfinished offer code and it didn't work. They were getting, it was throwing up an error. So a single tweet to hover and literally they were back. Somebody at hover was back within literally five minutes yeah, going, great. okay, we'll fix that. Now try again. And the person, whoever this was on Twitter was like over the moon. It's like, wow, this is just such amazing service. And that's how you do customer support, you know, not in terms of, you know, tech support necessarily, but just in terms of, you know, dealing with people because they're going to, at that point, you know, they're going to come back to you for reliable, you know, reliable advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and that's one of the things that I really want people to know about, about Jack as well is that I've had people email me and I can't cover them for whatever reason, but I still will help them and say, this is what you need and this is why you need it. I'm actually a terrible business person. I'm not pushing to make sales, but I'm actually just happy to help people out and build relationships. Oh, well, we did a, a little project we've been working on, a little, little kind of bread and butter job for a corporate solicitor nearby. I think I actually lives in the village. I've talked about this before and he's, he's a corporate solicitor. So he advises people about buying and selling businesses, but he won't do your will or he won't conveyance your house or, you know, help you with your divorce. And one of the personas that we helped him to create when we were working on the redesign was somebody that he couldn't help. You know, somebody that was looking for family law or they were looking to sue their partner or something like that. And so that they would come onto the website, see what he didn't do. But instead of just leaving them high and dry, he's actually putting a page together with links to other solicitors in the area and you know what they do just so that they leave happy and they have a good experience. That's great. I actually saw something which reminds me of that, although it's not completely similar. Um, there's a, a coffee company in London that have a disloyalty card and that they're so confident that their coffee is great that they give you this card that has eight of their competitors. And if you go to the eight of their competitors and with the stamp and come back to them, you get a free coffee. That is ace. Yeah. Can just, you send me a link to whichever coffee company that was? Because that is so clever. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. Pr- is it Pruff Rock Coffee? Um, I don't know. You look yeah. it up. I'm going to do a new sponsor. Okay. Because I want to introduce you to a new sponsor this week. And they are Big Board. Now, this is not your kind of longboard, Ashley. This, yeah. is not, this is not a big skateboard. Good memory. I know you very well. This is Big Board, and they are a brand new service that pulls together the web-based tools that we all use every day into a single, convenient, and beautifully designed dashboard. 
So here's the problem that I think a lot of people, busy people like us face. We've got updates and conversations that are happening across a whole host of different services. So you might have a project updates that are happening on Basecamp or Trello. Then you've got your activity on GitHub. You've got your diary to keep in order on Google Calendar. I mean, I could, should stop there. Big Board integrates all of these services and more. So to get started with Big Board, you simply connect the services that you use. So for me, that gets started with Basecamp. So you authorize the connection and that's it. And I did the same thing with GitHub so I can keep track of uh, Rockhammer and my other projects without having to go to GitHub directly or receive those really horrible email notifications. You know when I'm out on the, the train or something and the email's pinging with notifications? That just really annoys me. And I don't use too many services, so at that point I was just ready to go with Big Board. And even better, you can group data together from different services. So, for instance, you might have a client on Basecamp for project management and you're hosting their Git repos in Beanstalk and you're tracking your time for that project in Harvest. Well, you simply group them together in Big Board and you see an overview of that project's activity for the day. It's brilliant. And Big Board is really well designed. There's a light and a dark mode, which I think looks really nice. And of course, Big Board's responsive, so I just keep it open on my iPad on the desk, and it looks great. Big Board is only five US dollars a month, and you can start a free trial, no credit card required, by going to unfinished.bz/bigboard. And remember to enter the offer code unfinished at the sign up, and you'll get an extended thirty-day trial. And that's Big Board. Hmm. I'm Big just, board. I'm just Googling them, but it seems like quite a competitive keyword. So I unfinished, can't find them. slash big board. Okay. Also, before I forget, um, you don't have a stuff and nonsense Twitter account, do no, you? No, no, we don't. We do have, um, there is one. It's at Cowshed Studio. Oh, uh, and is it active? Uh, no, it hasn't been active for a very long time, much to my, um, shame. In fact, I don't even know if there is twitter.com slash stuff and nonsense. This is bad. I am no social marketing wizard. Um, no, but is that, was that a conscious decision? Because like you said, we are our businesses. So were you just quite happy to keep it malarkey? Um, yeah, it might have been the length as well. Actually, twitter.com slash stuff for nonsense does not exist. Can I go in and register that now? Mm. Hold on there, Ashley. Hold on there, partner. Oh, well, I'll do this after the, the podcast. Yeah, good idea. Oh, now I'm looking at Big Board. Mmm, it's very good. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> so So before we before we start <laughs> So before we talk about your other big news. Wait, I forget what my other big news is. The fact that you're working from home again. Oh yeah, right. We must not disappoint the listeners. We must give them what they want, what they come to this show for. Big, the big event. Ashley Baxter's 
Scottish slang word of the week. Did you say that somebody actually recommended a word to use? Uh, no, I didn't actually. Yeah, on Twitter, somebody was like, "You found this word, and I think it would be really good for your Scottish slang word of the week." But I'm not going to use that one Mm-mm. unless this one isn't Scottish. So this is what I call myself on my dating profiles. You know, Match.com and t- Tinder. I describe myself as a big ginger heifer. Is that Scottish? Well, big and ginger and heifer. Heifer's a cow, isn't it? Well, in Scotland, heifer means. So that must be a Scottish word then. If you don't, if yeah, you think no, it, it must be. A... I've not heard of that. Gosh, how would I describe? I don't actually have a dating profile, by the way, and I certainly wouldn't put that on it if I did. Um, Frantically Googles. Big ginger heifer. Well, a heifer is somebody who, similar to a munter. Right. But maybe I would call myself, maybe, maybe a heifer. Are you looking at Urban Dictionary's definition of it right now? <laughs> Just Googling it right now, actually. Somebody, like a really large woman. Yeah, somebody ugly, basically. We could Gosh. really get into trouble. There'd be, oh yes, I'm, I'm on Urban Dictionary right now. We can't even read that out. Do you want me to change my word? <laughs> no. If people want to go and Google, the usual disclaimer applies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should, next time I'll think of something less derogatory because they all have been derogatory, but that's the, that's the funny ones. Well, no, it, it, it also says here, um, another definition is a really conceited girl. Oh. A, a chick with a very nasty attitude. Well, that's not what I would consider it to mean. I would just think it's kind of like a a big ugly person. Well, the but, other one, the other the other definition is here an overweight chick, which I think not me not being you know an expert on these things, but I think people might even get offended by being called a chick. But you know, let's leave that one there. Of course, yeah. Let's leave that one there. Heifer was a cow then. Heifer is a cow, yeah, a female cow. It's also a character well, in Rocco's Modern Life. Had no idea. Rocco's hmm. Modern Life. So there we go. That's about, well, that's a, an in several demographics insulted in one word. Do you think I will have insulted people there? <laughs> I mean, I called myself it. I didn't call anybody else it. <laughs> I think you could get away with it, to be honest. I think if I said somebody was a heifer, then that would be a different thing entirely. I've never called somebody, I don't think I've ever called somebody a heifer. I typically use it to describe myself in quite a jokey way. I also don't think I'm a heifer. <laughs> no, you're far from being a heifer. There's not an ounce of fat on you. Well, remember about my, this conversation we had before about the whole cake thing? I yeah, had cake this week, though. Was That's it worth it? Do you know, I don't think it was. Nah, it never is. I was just feeling a little bit kind of like, meh, and I just wanted cake. And Sue actually drove to the like the local coffee shop and bought cake and then brought it back. Wow. So it was a, like it was a, a deliberate cake-eating exercise. What cake was it? We bought two big slices. One was coffee cake and one was chocolate cake, and we had half each. Oh, chocolate cake. Sounds nice. But I'm actually back. I'm back in the gym now with a proper plan and stuff, and I'm back on it, Andy. No cake for me. So how often are you going? Are you going every day, or do you have rest days? Four days in the gym and then two runs. Right. 
Oh, we'll have a rest day. But I'm back on it. I'm excited. No, it sounds good. I've had a bit of a, a bit of a kind of a, a non week because I had a few days last week when I was busy and I didn't have, I didn't put in enough swims. And then this week I went Monday and it almost killed me. I couldn't do Tuesday because I was in Manchester. Didn't do Wednesday for some reason. I didn't do Thursday and today's Friday and I didn't do this morning either. So I've had a bad week for the fitness. But that kind of ties into my big news, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. Do you see what we did there? Yeah. It's almost like good. that was deliberate. We're good at podcasting when I'm not offending people. <laughs> so you've made, as you said here, a transition from the shared studio to home office because you were working at uh, Toad's Caravan. Yeah. I've been there for a year. And enjoying it though. You liked it. I liked it at first. Yeah really liked it at first like I would be sad when I had to leave the studio and it was just perfect getting out of the house meeting new people I loved all of it I loved the walk there with my dog liked the fact that I could take my dog to the studio in the first place but that changed I think I think I think I think I've become introverted and have actually went back to enjoying my own company, enjoying the peace and quiet of working from home. Is it possible to... Am I an introvert, Andy? Um, I can see that, I suppose. I think we're, we're sort of fairly similar in that way. I mean, I, we, we don't like big crowds. You know, all the time, or people around all the time, perhaps. Yeah, don't like that. I've always said that I like just going. I'm quite sociable, but I like to just go back to my house and be by myself after it. Yes. Um, but yeah, it just a lot has changed in the year. Obviously, when I first went to Toads, I had no idea that I would be starting up my new business, and that only came about in January. So as well with that, I just want to cut costs a bit because it's two hundred pounds a month, and on top of that, you also end up spending a lot more money on food and lunches and coffee. When I have a perfectly good home office um, and a really nice home to work from as well. So I'm kind of enjoying being back at home and being by myself and not spending all of that money. But I'm not sure how long this will last. I'm sure the cabin fever will creep in, but I'm just going to try and be a bit more sociable outside of work like maybe meet friends for coffee during lunch or go work from a coffee shop and stuff to avoid you know to combat the cabin fever no i think because you worked for years on your own eight eight years that's like a prison sentence it's like <laughs> i'm not gonna do and, another eight years you and the dog in solitary confinement this is why i'm so terrible this is why i have terrible social skills because of the, that eight years of just being in my little bubble and um the studio was really great for getting out and stuff but um it just doesn't feel right anymore the cost the the fact that i found myself spending less and less time there and it got to the point where i was maybe only going twice a week because i felt like i had to because i was paying for the space and i was like why why do why am i paying for the space and forcing myself to go if i'm not enjoying it anymore so back at home also i said um wrote a blog post about it and mentioned it in my blog post about the fitness and the diet that really affects my mood a lot if I'm not eating well and I'm not exercising really makes me unhappy and I found that 
the commute to the office was great. I would walk two miles there and it would take me about 35 minutes and I would walk two miles back. But that was a whole 70 minutes out of my day that wasn't being productive and it was kind of eating into my gym time. I'm on an off-peak membership too because, again, I'm trying to save money. Mm. So I have to go a very limited time of the day. And I just found that I was going less and less because I couldn't fit it in alongside the studio. And then you, when it, when you work with people, they eat really badly. And those decisions rub off on you. They bring in their big Foxy's biscuits and they bring in homemade cakes. And you have to eat them. You have to eat them, Andy. Hold that thought because in a minute I'll tell you about this client that I've been working with down in Oxford. And they uh, they literally have kitchen cupboards full of biscuits. Oh, I just, I just let me tell you about habit. that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Let me um, let me just do our final sponsor for There's this week. There's another one. This this one's really important because I I really do love our next sponsor. I love the product and I love the people that make it, and I love that they've supported the show since the very very first episode, and they're still supporting us now, and that makes me very happy. And who is it? Well, it's Perch, isn't it? The little content management system that's built for designers like me. In fact, it's the CMS that I recommend to all our clients now at Stuff and Nonsense. You know, I think it's funny, but I bet a lot of people out there think that we can just pick and choose our clients these days. You know, we only work on big, exciting projects. But the truth is, we're just like everybody else. And sometimes, like this last few weeks, we do bread and butter projects just to pay the bills. You know, that's what I've been working on this week, two little projects. I just need to get them out of the door quickly. And Perch really helped me do that. Perch puts you, a web designer or a developer, in control of everything that's output to the browser. So all the HTML um, is template-based, and the default templates get you started, but they don't throw in lots of horrible, terrible HTML that you can't control or you have to battle with. You mentioned WordPress being really bloated earlier on. You don't get any of that with Perch. Mm -hmm. And then this week I built my templates in HTML, and then when they'd been approved, I just installed Perch on the client server. I set it up, I integrated it with my templates. I even added a blog to both of the sites. And do you know what? Neither of them took more than an hour to make them client editable. I can't imagine any CMS being easier and faster while not forcing me to compromise on the quality of my code. So I know there are people out there that haven't, heard about Perch before. Maybe you're hearing about Perch for the first time, but they've actually been going now. It's five years old on the 31st of May. And since version one, there've been 69 feature releases and there are now 39 first party add-ons for Perch and they're all free of charge. And even better, Perch 2.5 just been announced and it's going to be a free update for Perch 2 licenses. And it includes the feature that's most requested by Perch users and that's asset management. So soon you'll be able to upload or choose an asset that's already uploaded and you take full advantage of their resizing functionality. It's already in Perch. And there's a video previewing that functionality on the Perch blog and uh, you should be able to install that very soon. So I love Perch. And, you know, I know you will too. I should really try Perch because I have a lot of respect for Rachel and Drew. They're lovely people. And they work incredibly yes. hard. Yes, they do. And the product's great. You know, it just scratches my itch. Can we say that? Yeah, we can say that. Depends mm. on where the itch is. Mm. In the middle of my shoulder yeah. blades, that's usually where my itch is. 
and can't really reach that mm. very well. Now, back to um, back to my friends, oh, who I forgot to be careful because I do know you're listening to the show. Hello, Roy. Um, <laughs> hello, hello, James. <laughs> but I go and work with this wonderful company down in Oxford. They're a software company, and their cupboards are literally full of biscuits. And you can just go make a cup of tea. You can open the kitchen cupboard. Biscuits fall out, and um, Garibaldi biscuits—they're my—they're my downfall. Garibaldi's what? dead fly biscuits. Don't know what they are. I'm not a big biscuit person, actually. They're kind of like a thin, crispy biscuit that's got uh, dried raisins in them. Love those. It sound a but bit no, boring. No, they're really nice. They're yummy. But you eat one of those. You eat a, you can't just eat one. Yeah, you, know, you have to eat a whole strip of them. And they're like 200 calories. I know. It's wow, the, that's I know. a lot. Well, maybe not as much as that. Maybe it's 200 calories a pack. But I've eaten a pack. You know, they're there on the table. You have to eat them. Uh, that's just it. And it depresses me. So I'm really excited about being back at home when I can go to the gym. If, if I'm busy and I have to go at lunchtime, that's fine. The gym's right next to my house. Um, I choose what food I've got in, healthy choices. So I feel like the past year I've kind of fallen off the wagon with healthy eating and exercise. And this is me getting back on it now. And part of that was removing that, mo- removing that obstacle with the, the home office and being so far, not the home office, the studio and being so far away from the gym and being surrounded by singing donuts and dancing biscuits all the time. They're the best kind though. What? Singing, singing donuts? I know, oh, I really love donuts actually. As, I mean, does that sound extreme? I'm not for a minute saying that the gym and diet made me leave the studio because it was mainly to do with cost. But does it sound extreme to say that that contributed to my decision to, to go back home? No, I mean, you know, you could say, well, have a bit of self control. You don't have to eat the donuts, but it's hard. I don't have self control. <laughs> See, now we're back on the President Cheese thing. If we have no food in the house, I won't eat it. If the, which is why we never have any food in the house that's kind of, you know, we have salad. But, you know, we never have biscuits. We never have just cheese lying around. We never have things like that. We never have the stuff that normal people fill their trolleys and Tesco's with. Not ever. In fact, yeah. it's, it's difficult at Christmas and it's sometimes difficult when Alex comes home because Alex is home this week. Oh, I see. Is he yeah, home he's right in now? in the house as we speak. That's exciting. Um, he's here for a week. Then he's got to go back next week and do a presentation, and then his master's degree is done. I know. What? He comes home, and you do the thing. You know, when you go shopping, you know, you make, you, you put treats in the bag. Pringles. <laughs> Why Pringles? I don't know. Doritos. Tangy cheese Doritos. You see, you could just keep yeah. eating those. And I have no self-control, so at Christmas time... If they're there in the cupboard, I'm going to eat them. Malwams. What? Malwams. What the hell are they? They're sweets. Actually, this might interest you. They're sweets. Um, I think they're German. And I took a photo of the wrapping paper of them because they're very... What's the word? Um, ambiguous in a very kind of dirty way. And I thought I was the only person who noticed this. And then this journalist got in touch with me and said that there's this big court case happening because of the rappers and that they wanted to use my photos and their article and stuff. You have to look up Mawam. There's There are fruits doing some very Send naughty things to other fruits. This is a very controversial show, really. 
As hasn't it? You shouldn't have me on again. <laughs> we're on dodgy ground. And it's like 10 in the morning as well. Well, not anymore, but it was when we started. Yeah, let's change the subject so then. Exercise and diet being one then. I can understand that. I can understand the fact that, you know, when people are around, you say, oh, I'll just have one. You know, it's, it was like when I used to smoke and you could smoke in the office. And when cigarettes used to be cheap. Oh, man. I was in Greek Street in London yesterday and looking for the uh, the place where I was supposed to be meeting the client. And I couldn't find it. So I went into the corner shop and I asked the man where the you know, directions to, to the place that I was going to. And I looked behind him as I've been doing this a lot recently. I was looking at how much cigarettes cost. And I used to smoke red Marlboros. And I could go between 20 and 30 red Marlboros a day. That was, you know, yeah, what? I know I was a 20 or 30 a day smoker. In this shop in London, 20 red Marlboros cost £9.80. Wow. I just don't know how anybody can afford to smoke. I don't know smoke. how anybody can afford to smoke real cigarettes. Um, that was... How, what, what are the average price of... Not real cigarettes. Well, I don't know, but rolling tobacco, I think, is as expensive as, as as anything else. I mean, I used to roll my own as well. Gosh. Which you know, I used to smoke them unfiltered, which was never a good thing. Don't know anything about cigarettes other than they're naughty. But the price, yeah, wow. But when we used to, you know, when I was working in an office, um, this was before all of the, you know, you can't smoke at your workplace w- rules. I mean, God, when I think back to, um, I used to work at a company called the Studio Workshop and they were in Farringdon Road in London. We had an office that was a few doors up from the Guardian and we smoked everywhere. Um, the boss didn't smoke, so you couldn't smoke in his office, but every other part of that building, you could smoke in and there was the workshops and the engineers downstairs. The account guy was downstairs. I think he was called John and he used to smoke in this little room with no windows and you'd go in there and it would be thick with smoke. The whole place just was hanging in smoke and Uh. you would be, you know, you'd, you'd, be having a you know a, a conversation with somebody i'd go down to the to the workshop and i'd talk to tony the engineer and he'd you know pull a packet of cigarettes out of his pocket and you know because he was going to have one and he'd offer you one that was the polite thing to do you know do you want a cigarette oh yeah fine i'll take one and then maybe next time it'd be my turn to give him one for now for now and that's what you did jesus god if i was spending nine pound eighty on a packet of marlboros Punch somebody in the face if they wanted one. Jesus. Uh, I know. I don't know how anybody can afford it. Wow. Or justify it. But that's what we used to, you know, I'll I'll just have one. Yeah, okay, all fine. Even if you didn't really want a cigarette, the fact that somebody was offering you one, you'd go, oh, yeah, okay, that's great, thanks. Because, you know. And they're probably worse for you than the the best Oh, yeah, in the long term. Um, although sometimes I do, I do sort of have a hankering for not the smoking itself, but the thing that happens when you're doing it that kind of pause for thought or something you know i used to go and just have a bubble bath yeah, but then you got to run it and you got to find the bubbles and matey bubble bath do you remember matey bubble bath yeah used to love that so i suppose it's the same thing with the biscuits you know somebody's i oh, have a donut oh yeah i'll have one just yeah. just the one it can't do any harm no it's never just it's never just one Client brought round a packet of Fox's Butter Biscuits last week. 
They sound tasty. No, actually, they were really tasty. And I had like six of them. Wow. I thought you were totally, you were doing so well on your diet. I am. And I haven't put any weight on. I'm now 13 stone six. So I've lost, I'm three pounds off a stone that I've lost. Oh, that's good. So, you know, I've, I've, I've hit a bit of a plateau and I need to up it, which is why from next week, I'm actually going to the gym. Oh, I've got a, uh, a session booked because you have to do your induction the first time that you go. Yep. And I'm going to go and do that. That's all booked. And then they're going to give me a plan and I'm going to start pumping iron. That's exciting. I think you'll see a big difference when you do that. Mm, I think so. And I even went for a run with Dan Davis last Sunday. I saw it. Like, was that another half an hour run? It took us a little bit longer than that because we're both hopeless. Did you enjoy running with somebody? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah. Do you prefer it on your own? Big time. I'm an introvert. No, I, I did enjoy it and we need to get better. But Danvid did really well and I did okay. So yeah, that was fun. So are you keeping tabs on Paul or is that sort of fallen by the wayside? Uh, I think Paul's fallen by the wayside. He hasn't really posted anything or kept anything up to date that I've seen anyway. Mm -hmm. over the last few weeks but you know it gave me a start you know it got me into the whole thing and i wouldn't have thought that nine or ten weeks ago whenever it was that i would be considering you know going for a run with silly dan or you know <laughs> joining the gym so I know. you've that's done been so a well thing. oh thank you it's changed your life i i feel a lot happier and a lot more confident you know i, I went to london yesterday and I tucked my shirt in. So uh, have you visibly lost weight? Yes. Yes, quite, yes. A, a belt loop. That's good. So, yeah, I'm happy with that. Great. Anyway, we mustn't talk about my stomach for too long. I think that, just sort of closing off this topic, you need to possibly balance the working from home and being on your own with going out and getting the social contact that you enjoyed at the beginning from working in the, the studio. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Glasgow has a lot of meetups and I always make an excuse not to go to them because I've still got work to do or just whatever, but I need to stop doing that and I need to make an effort to go along and socialize with like-minded people. So that's, that's a goal. That sounds great. We should wrap it up because you have a conference to go to. You're going to Aberdeen, I think. I'm going to Aberdeen for um, the meat conference. We were going to talk about why they called it the meat conference. I figured out why. Go on then. Cuts of creativity. That's a tag right there. Yeah. Everything's connected. This, this has all been about advertising today. And I'm sure we're going to come back to it as well at some other point. So... Let's wrap it up, because you've got to get out of here. Yep. So people can follow you. Ashley, you're on Twitter. You are? I am Ashley. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> or they can follow me, at Malarkey. Yes, you are. Somebody yeah. actually said in the meeting yesterday, with the client meeting, this, they actually said, and, and all that Malarkey. And I just... <laughs> <laughs> and then the other chap that I was talking to in, in the same meeting went, you do realise that's his Twitter ID. And this lady was like, oh, really? <laughs> oh, so he wasn't even talking about you? No. No. They actually <laughs> used the word malarkey just in conversation, which is great. To ask questions or suggest topics, you can message the show on Twitter at UnfinishedBZ 
or you can email me, he has at unfinished.bz. Somebody sent me an email the other day saying, can you put the email address on the website? No, you listen to the show to get the email address. If I put it on the website, I'm going to get more adverts for carpet. Or SEO advice. Which, of course, is the last thing that I need. Thanks again to our sponsors this week. They were the Device Lab from Vanamco, Big Board, new sponsor, and our lovely friends at Perch. You can support our show by supporting them. Uh, Stop recording. He's one of the creative partners at Bartle... I'm rubbish at this. Bartle Bode... (laughs) 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 He needs an easier name. That would be better advertising.